This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts. Hello and welcome to In Focus Sport from Control Risks, specialist risk consultancy. I'm Jonathan Brown, a partner at Control Risks, leading our forensics practice in the Europe, Middle East and Africa region and responsible for our sports integrity team globally. In each episode in this series, we sit down with a guest to discuss their views in relation to a range of issues linked to the integrity of sport. Today, my colleague, Alicia Futterman, Associate Director in Control Risks Forensics Practice in London, discusses the increasing prevalence of match fixing in sport with Nick Eiliff, Integrity Intelligence Manager for StatsPerform, the leading sports data and analytics company. StatsPerform use artificial intelligence and analytics to monitor millions of sporting events in real time globally each year. Amongst other things, they provide analyses of betting markets and the performance of teams and individuals to rights holders, such as sports federations, governing bodies and leagues. StatsPerform also insists with investigations into match fixing, overlaying intelligence and comprehensive performance analysis to betting market data. Today, Nick tells us how this works. Hi, Nick. Thanks for joining us and welcome back to the Control Risk podcast. You joined us to talk about integrity in esports back in August as our first ever guest on the Sports Integrity series. But for the benefit of anybody unlucky enough to have missed that last appearance, could you give us a quick run through of your background and the work that Stats Perform do? Thanks for having me on again, Alicia. So my background is I, I started my career in intelligence investigations back in 2004 with the Metropolitan Police as an intelligence analyst. I started off looking at volume crime, then moved into the, to the counterterrorism unit there. Then I did a couple of years overseas in the Caribbean before moving back to the UK. And I started as an intelligence coordinator for UK anti-doping. And that was my kind of move into the sports integrity space. And then I joined Stats Perform around four years ago, working in their integrity team, I initially set up their intelligence unit, and now I'm more involved in working with our external partners and clients. And Stats Perform as a company, we're a, a sports tech and AI company. We provide data, visual content, and predictive analysis for some of the world's biggest media and tech firms, betting operators, and professional teams. The integrity team that I work for, we work on the integrity of the data that we collect and the staff collecting it, plus providing external services to our, our clients and rights holders. So that includes betting market monitoring, performance integrity analysis, and intelligence and investigation services. And we have a partnership with yourselves at Control Risks to offer joint integrity services covering all areas such as due diligence, forensics, and investigations. Thanks, Nick. You mentioned the betting market monitoring side there. The way in which people bet and the sheer breadth of markets available has changed massively in recent years. Could you talk to us a bit about that? Sure. I mean, I think in the last our last 20 years, most people would be aware there's, there's been a huge shift in the, in the way people bet and the, the move from your kind of traditional shop-based betting operator when thinks of a high street bookmaker to moving online, Bet365, one of our big clients and one of the, the first kind of movers and pioneers in this space. And they launched back in 2001. And then I think we've also seen a move from more traditional kind of pre-match betting to in-play betting. So you think of placing a bet ahead of a match, Liverpool versus Man United, when you're making your bet before the match, markets now moved into to placing those bets in play. And at Stats Perform, we're able to provide that service by our, our data scouts. They attend matches, collect event data, and then we send that ultra low latency feed to betting operators 
and they use that to power their in-play algorithms and pricing. So Bet365, I think, estimate around 80% of their bets are now, are now placed in play as opposed to pre-match. We're also seeing as well operators now starting to offer more individual player markets. So for example, Skybet uses our Optidata to power markets like an individual player's number of shots on targets, tackles, or expected goals. And you're starting to see some kind of almost player versus player markets. So you could bet on who's going to have more shots on target in the match, Ronaldo versus Messi, or Kylian Mbappé versus Haaland. And with so many changes going on in the market, how is it that monitoring can remain possible? Yeah, so betting market monitoring, most systems are going to kind of work in roughly the same way. So what our system does and what most systems will do is compare what we expect the odds to be with what the actual odds in a market are. So when the market odds deviate sufficiently from the expected odds, an alert within that system is created. And one of our analysts will then investigate and look for whether there is any reasons behind that, that movement. So to give a kind of a really obvious example, um, say, for example, you're looking at a goal before halftime market. As halftime approaches, the probability of a goal should go down and therefore the odds go up. However, if that market is then fixed, you'll see the inverse as bets are being placed by people who know a goal is coming. Therefore, the odds will start to shorten and then an alert will be raised by the system. Um, unfortunately, not everything is so obvious and straightforward as that, but that's maybe an example for people to get a better understanding of how really basically those systems work. And I understand Stats Performer increasingly using data analytics to supplement your monitoring. Could you tell us more about how that works? You know, it's important to make people aware that, that betting market monitoring systems, you know, they, they are really important and they're a key part of any integrity service, but they're, they're not a silver bullet in, in that sense. And I think a good kind of analogy or, or, or parallel that's used is in, is in the anti-doping world. So they developed the athlete biological passport, which measures a number of indicators in your blood, such as red blood cells. And if your red blood cells start to go above a certain level, then it kind of raises an alert for investigation. And that was brought in to kind of fight blood doping and, and, and the use of EPO. But what we started to see in those areas is that athletes started to try and microdose to stay, to stay within those higher limits. In some ways, I think you, know, you start to see match fixes or any, to be honest, any, any surveillance system you have across any kind of fraud type industry, there's always going to people who are, who are going to attempt to, to beat the system in that way. And also, there's, we're assuming there that any kind of fixed match is solely for the purpose of betting. You know, we've seen in the past, there's been occasions where teams have exchanged results with one another, just called a sporting fix. So in those occasions, unless that information has kind of leaked out and someone's been placing bets on it, you wouldn't necessarily see any indication in a betting market that that exchange has taken place. So we've kind of looked at that and we've looked at how can we sort of make use of the huge data that we hold and we collect as stats perform and how we can develop a service around this. So we've developed and launched our performance integrity analysis service, which we launched in, in February. And what this does is we're combining them quantitative analysis based on our huge historical Opta database with the qualitative assessment events by our expert analysts. So we're using Opta measures like expected goals, supremacy, touches in the opposition box and tackle rates, passes per defensive action, which, for example, could show the lack of, a, of an attacking intent. To give you an example, obviously, I can't go into specific examples because we have some ongoing cases that we're working on with, with clients. But as I mentioned, we looked at a predetermined sporting fix between two sides, um, which isn't something, again, that's going to necessarily show up in a kind of conventional betting market monitoring system. 
And the an- analysis we did revealed extremely low lack of attacking intent from one team in the first match, including a historically low expected goals total. And they recorded some of the lowest pressing statistics we've recorded in our entire Opta database. And other investigations that we've done in more of a kind of betting market fix investigation, they have shown changes in formation by teams in specific periods of matches, as well as individual errors aligned with those suspicious moves in the betting markets. So again, neither is performance integrity analysis a silver bullet. Really, we're trying to provide a deeper level of analysis by combining betting market analysis with performance analysis and any intelligence we hold. So it's really trying to build cases and corroborating evidence as you would in a criminal prosecution or you would in any other kind of fraud investigation. Yeah, I was about to say there's a lot of parallels with kind of, I guess, the work that we do on a daily basis, the fraud cases you can see there. No, definitely. And coming from a kind of law enforcement background, you know, the the example I always use is if you were looking at, say, a, um, a murder case, you wouldn't rely on the evidence of just your one witness who saw that occur because, you know, your defense is going to be trying to undermine that witness. You're going to say, well, here's our statement from the witness who saw that event. Here's their cell site records, which show their mobile was in that location at that time. You know, we have their Oyster card being used on a bus or a tube to leave the area. And it's all about layers of information. And I think that's exactly the same thing that we're trying to replicate with these cases. Given the timing of this podcast, it would be remiss of me not to mention COVID. At Control Risk, we've seen a significant increase in integrity issues related to sports since the pandemic started. What's your take on this? I mean, I think in some ways, you know, sports are no different to any other industry in some ways. And I think everyone can kind of see within the general kind of fraud industry that the reporting in general has gone up since the start of the pandemic. So I think it's somewhat inevitable. This has also been seen in sport. Fraudsters are seeing opportunities when individuals and organizations are struggling financially and are trying to take advantage of that situation. If you look at football as as an example, in the UK especially, you're seeing lots of the bigger clubs are less reliant on match day income and they're somewhat protected by the value of their broadcast deals. Whereas the lack of fans and that and attendances and the match day revenue that provides has an impact more of an impact further down the kind of footballing pyramid you go. And this can make them a target even more for match fixers, preying on those individuals who might not be getting paid or or trying to target clubs who they know are having financial difficulties. And in what ways has Stats Perform had to adapt to manage the associated risks with that kind of increase in, in fraudulent behaviour? I mean, I think from a from from a Stats Perform perspective, we've really really been careful that anyone we're working with, we have a really strong risk assessment process. So say, for example, if we're looking at taking on a new sports event as as part of our rights portfolio, we do a strong risk assessment process where we're looking at the organisers of that event, what kind of integrity governance do they have in place, and all those kind of factors. So we're, we're really trying to mitigate against our risk in that area and making sure that anything we provide onwards to clients, we've we've done our full risk assessments. And as you mentioned before, you know, there's a lot of financial difficulties across clubs, I think also leagues and federations. And we're seeing a lot of interest as a result of that from investors of all types. Do you think that's good news? I think in general, it has to be a good thing. You know, no one wants to see clubs or or any other sports organisations go out of business. You know, if you're looking at what makes football so great, specifically in the UK as well, is that you know, we have this huge footballing pyramid and, and teams with a long history and to see any of them go out of business is very sad for any football fan. So I think 
in general, that interest from investors is, is a good thing. I do think that clubs and then leagues also need to ensure that they're doing the correct due diligence and risk assessments of those new investors coming into those leagues, especially when we're in a high-risk environment that we are now. As that risk level goes up, I think it's important that the relevant compliance policies and procedures go with it. Do you have any examples of undue influence from owners leading to match fixing? I mean, I can't sort of really go into specific examples as such, but there have been cases reported in the media over the last few years whereby, you know, we have seen individuals and their kind of investment vehicles that that they've built up invest in clubs for the purpose of match fixing. And they bring in their own staff, whether that be um, managers and coaches or even playing staff to then assist them in setting up these fixes within the leagues. And there's some cases where you can see almost those staff and players follow the investment from club to club as they're doing this. And that's why I think it's so important that clubs and leagues engage with firms such as Control Risk who provide these due diligence services and to make sure they have a really fit for purpose vetting procedure for owners coming into their league. It's obviously difficult when clubs and leagues finances are are being pressed, but In some ways, I think that makes it more important to invest in really stringent compliance measures more than ever with the risk being so high. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that, especially given what you've alluded to and what we've seen historically at various different clubs that have ended up in potentially the wrong hands. Thanks so much for your time and insight, Nick. That was really fascinating and it was great to have you back to talk with us again. Uh, Thanks for having me on again, Alicia. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com. 